Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. And we are glad you're here today. As we gather together here today, I invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of celebration, number 157. Jesus shall reign. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 5. Thank you. 
Today is a special time in the life of our church. Throughout the year in the United Methodist Church, we have special, uh, special giving Sundays or special asking Sundays. And today we celebrate peace with justice. Four years ago, uh, in 2012, our Outreach and Social Concerns Committee presented before our congregation a desire to have a peace poll placed on our patio. And as we see the peace poll, we're reminded of the message and the prayer that may peace prevail on earth. That peace, pal, that peace poll as it was planted is a four-sided peace poll with eight languages written on it. And the eight languages represent various regions throughout this world, but the languages also represent the languages of those within our congregation, Russian, German, English, and others. It's a joy that every time we see that peace poll every Sunday, it's not just a fixture to be looked at, but a reminder to pray for peace both in our lives and in the world around us. So on this Peace with Justice Sunday, we ask that you join with us in a prayer for peace litany, especially given the state of the world today. Peace polls were started in Japan in 1955 by a man who decided to de dedicate his life to spreading the message, may peace prevail on earth in response to the bombings on Hiroshima. A peace pole is an internationally recognized symbol of the hopes and dreams of humanity joined together in prayer for peace. Today, more than 200,000 peace poles have been planted in more than 200 countries around the world. Our peace pole is not merely a fixture on the patio, but a constant reminder to pray for peace, a need which is as prevalent today as ever in every aspect of our lives, as well as the world around us. To bring about world peace, we must start in our own hearts. Lord, Lord make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. On this Peace with Justice Sunday, we're reminded of Jesus' message and life here on earth. A message of peace in all that he did. He made the charge to all in the Sermon on the Mount on how we are to live when, we are, when he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. As we pray for peace, may we also find comfort as we are reminded that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts in our minds in Christ Jesus. Merciful God, we rededicate ourselves to seek and pray for peace and justice throughout this coming year in our lives, in the lives of others, in the situations around the world where peace is needed. Through our actions and our prayers, may we experience God's peace in new and glorious ways in order to be witness to others. We lift up the worries, the hurts, fears, and anxieties we carry with us that in you, O God, we might find peace that surpasses all understanding and gives us rest. May, May peace, peace prevail, prevail in our, our lives. We pray for our nation's leaders as we hear of the conflicts and struggles that arise. Though we might not always agree, we ask God to continue to grant us wisdom and direction to those who lead. May, May peace, peace prevail, prevail in our nation. nation. 
We remember those around the world who are not free and those who live with the reality of war and unsafe situations in the midst of all the news reports of those filled with anger and hatred causing harm to another. May your presence be felt. May peace prevail in our world. God grants us a heart to know you, a desire to follow and a willingness to demonstrate a peace that only comes from you, that we will be peacemakers, guarded in heart and mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As our ushers now come forward, may we be waited upon for our gifts, tithes, and offerings, remembering God has given us so much. This is an opportunity to give back to God. Thank you. 
give you thanks and praise as we offer to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. We ask that you will continue to bless these and we be faithful to serve in the ministry to which you've called us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Listen and receive a word from the word, a reading from the word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not, the one, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we have proclaimed to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks for the reading of your word, for this letter that Paul gave to the church. We thank you that it continues to speak to our hearts and our lives, that we have a willingness to listen and to receive. Gracious God, we ask that you meet us here through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. I may have shared this story in the past, but it's a story that continues to, to speak to my heart, and it's one that forever changed my understanding of God and, and kind of forever has left an indelible mark in my, in my life. In 1995, I had the opportunity to serve within a Christian ministry in the National Parks in Glacier, Montana. And my job was to, to clean restrooms at Rising Sun uh, Motor Lodge. And one Saturday afternoon, this, gentleman, or this guy I worked with came up to me and said, Brian, I need for you to go with me to Spokane, Washington tomorrow. Now, he didn't like me. He wanted nothing to do with me. But he asked me to go to Spokane, Washington so I ran up to my partner in ministry and I said, you know what, I will not be here at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning to lead church. Will you do it? But I'll be back at 7 p.m. and I will lead church. So sure enough, the next morning rolled around. 5 o'clock when we were supposed to leave, we both overslept. 5.30, there's a knock at my door. Come on, we got to go. We're running late. We hop in the car. We drove from Montana to Spokane, Washington. Right before we get to the airport, I asked him, why did you invite me? You don't like me. You know, we don't really get along. And he said, I've only been to an airport once in my life, and I've only been on a highway from Louisiana to Montana. I figured you knew what you were doing, and that's why I asked you to come. Well, sure enough, we get to Spokane Airport, and one thing leads to another. Everything is going wrong. The person we were supposed to meet, his flight is late. When he arrives, his baggage is late, or is not there. It didn't come. So being a 20-year-old who knew it all, I said, I'm just going to fly back to Montana. And I'll take care of it. I'll be, you know, I have to be at church at 7. I bought myself a ticket. I called my hotel and I said, I will be at Glacier, uh, at Kalispell Airport, 3 p.m. Please have someone there to meet me. Long story short, my flight gets late. I get to Kalispell at 4 p.m. No one is there to meet me. I pick up the phone. I call the hotel. I said, I need someone to get me. They said, we'll meet you at, at West Glacier. 
So I walk out of the airport, start to walk. This car stops and says, hey, you were on my flight. I said, I was. He said, get on in. I'll drive you. He drives me to the exit of the airport. He goes, where are you going? I said, this way. He goes, I'm going that way. Get out. <laughs> we, I get out of the car. I decide I'm not, I've never been one to hitchhike. So I start to walk. And before I know it, I've walked six miles. And I'm at a gas station. So I pick up a phone. And over those six miles, I'm yelling and screaming and, and letting God have an earful. I get to the gas station. I pick up the phone. I call a, I call a um, taxi cab service. And I said, I need a ride from the gas station to to West Glacier, which is 11 miles. He shows up half an hour later, picks me up, drives me to West Glacier. By now it's about 6 p.m. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I still have an hour. Get to West Glacier. I call the hotel. I said, where's my ride? They said, oh, it's going to Lake McDonald, which is about 20 miles past where I am. I get back in the car, drive another 20 miles, get to Lake McDonald. Long story short, completely missed the service at 7 p.m. Got back to Glacier Na or back to Rising Sun at 10 p.m., three hours past the time I was supposed to be there. And I went straight to the bar because I was a designated driver that night. Fifteen minutes after I got to the bar, the people who that I, the people who I had said goodbye to in Spokane show up at the bar. And they said, Hey, you made it back safely. And I told them about the ordeals of my day. And one blessing that came of that day was he and I ended up actually becoming inseparable friends. He said, because you were willing to go through so much to get back to a church service, because you believe so strongly in it, you know, there's got to be something there. We struck up an amazing friendship. But the greater part of that story and the greater part of that experience that day is as I was riding in the taxi cab at 7 p.m., there is my taxi cab driver. Here am I. And in the middle of us was a Bible. And we started talking. And he said, you know, I'm a taxi cab driver and I drive every Sunday. I don't get to go to church. 7 p.m., we had church. It was in the front seat of a taxi cab. Wasn't where I expected, but it's exactly how God had planned it. This is God's honest truth. I love that experience, and I love all that that day taught me about God. But all the more, I love God's honest truth. You see, it's, it's kind of uh, redundant to say honest truth, right? Truth, hopefully, is going to be honest by very nature. But then we, we qualify it or quantify it by saying, you know, it's God's honest truth. God's a pretty strong authority. But in reality, that simple phrase, God's honest truth, is simply meaning that it's unquestionable and absolute truth. Yet in today's society, in today's postmodern world, it's countercultural to say that something is an absolute truth. For the last several decades, society has challenged this claim and this idea of absolute truth because an absolute truth is defined as an inflexible reality. It's fixed, invariable, unalterable facts. You know, for fun, I was Googling it. The fact that you will find absolutely no square circles and no circular squares. Although after the last service, an engineer came up to me. He said, was that a two-dimensional or three-dimensional? So I'm staying out of that. When we get into the discussion of truth, it begs the question, what is truth? And it's a tough question if you think about it in a postmodern era. Because one of the characteristics, one of the things that sets this postmodern world as it is, is societally we believe that there is no absolute truth. As a society, we say it's all morally relative. What's good for you doesn't need to be good for me. 
You know, with statements like, that may have worked for you, but that doesn't work for me. Or one of my favorites, that may have been true in your time, but it's never true today. You know, individually, we can set right and wrong based on our own moral compass, whatever our moral compasses might be based upon. And no one else can dictate my right or our right from our wrong. And that's how society works today. And though some believe that this understanding of truth being morally relative, societally, sometimes it says that anyone who claims to hold the truth is at best wrong and at worst either manipulative or coercive or even outright evil to say that there is an absolute. You know, some believe that absolute truth is a necessity, but there are plenty of others who argue against the existence of an absolute. Eighty years ago, humanist John Dewey declared there is no God and there is no soul. Hence, there are no needs for the props of traditional religion. When dogma and creed excluded, then immutable truth is also dead and buried. There is no room for fixed natural laws or moral absolutes. This view is one of the many challenges that we face as a church and that we face in sharing our gospel as, as Christians, learning to share the honest truth of the gospel within this world. You see, on one level, we face the challenge of sharing a gospel in ministry in our everyday life, learning to live a life that is bearing witness to our faith in Christ. It's about putting into practice the gospel that we hold to at the core of our faith in, or living the life that Christ has called us to live. You know, sometimes it's really easy to be a Christian. When we come to church or when we're surrounded by other Christians, it's, it's pretty easy. But if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes our witness is less than stellar. And behind closed doors is probably one of the hardest times when you're by yourself to live as a Christian. You see, the challenge is that we sometimes forget what living the gospel means and what that looks like. It's learning to be a witness to God's glory, God's grace, mercy, love, and presence in this world as we first experience within our own lives. It's learning to put God as the focus of all that we do in order that God's glory and God's presence might shine in you and through you to others. It's learning to give all of ourselves even when we really mess up. Because we know that God never asks us to be perfect, God asks us to be faithful. However, I think the bigger struggle that we face as a church and as Christians is a foundational issue for our faith. And see, I think that foundational issue is knowing and accepting the gospel message as laid out in Scripture that Paul is reminding to the Galatian church to not abandon or turn away from the gospel that they've heard to some other message or variation on the message. Paul writes in Romans 1 that the gospel message which came from Jesus was a fulfillment of Jewish scriptures. Jesus completed the Jewish scriptures. And Paul goes further to unpack it when he writes to the Corinthians in his first letter, the 15th chapter. He says, Now I make known to you the gospel which I proclaimed to you which you have also received, in which you also stand, and by which you are being saved, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised up on the third day, according to the scriptures. 
You know, I'm amazed how often, even in churches, even amongst Christians, that the gospel message has been tweaked or completely abandoned in order to be culturally relevant. But if you listen to what that message is being shared, it's far from the gospel that we find in Scripture. Now, obviously, the church has to change its approach in its delivering of the message. But the message of the gospel, the truth of Scripture, never changes. The message is the same. How we change our approach is something that we talk about all the time in churches. It's the age-old dilemma, the debate, do we have contemporary or traditional services of worship? Do we choose to share the gospel in short snippets to catch the attention span of people who watch 30-second commercial clips? Or do we go back to five-hour sermons? Now, Gary and I vote for the five-hour sermons. <laughs> do we argue whether we are to go out to the world to bring the light of Christ to the world, or do we wait to the world to come through the front doors on the hopes that they join us in our sanctuary to increase our numbers? Yet the truth of the gospel need not change because gospel simply means the good news. And we know that the good news is found in Jesus. Scripture tells us. And I believe it is the gospel message, this good news given by Jesus, that still must rule in our hearts, must rule in our lives, and must be the good news and the honest truth that we speak and continue to speak to the world around us. You know, I know that there's countless views of what the gospel is, and there's discussions and dialogues. Well, this is the gospel, and this is the gospel. However, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus tells it straight out, clearly in plain word. And then he follows up that clear word with his actions. And every person he encounters, every person he meets, he challenges with that exact same message, to accept it or not. Matthew 4.17 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Those words are again heard in Luke and in Mark. This message doesn't change in John. Though we don't hear the exact same words, every time we encounter Jesus, we're forced to accept him who ushers in this kingdom and to put our faith in him in order that our lives may be changed before God. That's repentance. In that transformation that we might go forth into this world, the Great Commission from Matthew 28, that we go into this world, that's bringing the kingdom of God to this world here and now and the not yet to come. You know, in John, we're reminded of Jesus' words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's pretty cut and dry. That's pretty blunt. Imagine a world where this truth is shared boldly, but shared with a heart to show God's love, not to beat it over your head or to stuff it down your throat, but to speak boldly the truth of Scripture. You see, Ephesians 4.15 tells us, speaking the truth in love will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. In 1 John 4, we're reminded, and most of us know it, that God is love, and those who do not know love do not know God. But that passage goes on, for it says that we're reminded that we must put our faith in Jesus if we are to know truly God's love. See, when we remove Jesus from the equation, from that part of it, we don't know God's love. We like the first part of 1 John, 
but we're called to faith in Jesus. See, I believe when the absolute truth of Jesus is shared, people will accept it or not. And that's their choice. We can't make up someone's mind. But when we don't share the good news, we never give them a chance to accept it or not. We don't give a chance for people to respond. And I believe it is a truth that helps us let go of anger, of hurt, of vengeance, that we can have our lives transformed by that good news. I believe it's a truth that helps us confess our sins that we commit before God, our sins that we commit before one another. And in so doing, we see relationships deepened and healed and strengthened. I believe it's a truth that softens hearts for our neighbors, that we would do all within our power and our ability to see God's grace shine and abound in the life of others. I believe it's a truth that brings forth a peace that passes all understanding to be a light to this world. It's a truth that helps us bear witness to the world that the kingdom of God is finally realized where God's peace prevails, where God's grace abounds, and Jesus reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe, is that it changes our hearts and it changes this world. The joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the absolute truth found in Scripture is we have a choice to accept it or to reject it. We have a choice to receive it or ignore it, to be transformed by it or to continue to live the way we live apart from God. The choice is ours. But I believe that if we're willing to respond in faith and we're willing to, in faith, go forth in action, it'll be a different world around us. And I believe that this is God's honest truth. Amen. May we pray. God, we give you thanks and praise that you call us to be your church, that you call us to action, that you call us to faith and to put our unending trust in your son, Jesus, that through him we might have life and have it in abundance. God, I praise you for tough scripture, for tough verses that challenge us in our theology and challenge us in our understanding. But I praise you that even more so you are constant, that you will never leave us alone, that you will continue to call upon us to deepen our relationship in you through Jesus. I ask you to meet us here today, that we bring glory to you as we go forth. We give you thanks and praise through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. By the power of that truth, we come to this table today, remembering so long ago when Jesus with his disciples spoke words of truth, and once more speak them to us today. And taking bread and blessing it and breaking it, he said, this is my body broken for you. And as often as you receive this, you receive me until I come again. And taking the cup and blessing it, he said, this is the cup of the New Testament. The cup of the forgiveness of sins. For your sins and for the sins of all the world. Now gracious God, we ask your blessing on these elements of bread and wine. By the power of your spirit. And the grace of our faith. That we might receive these common elements of bread and wine. Brought to our souls as your body and blood. 
and that we this day might recognize that we gather here at this table to receive this gift, not because we have earned it, not because we have been good enough, not because we could pay for it, but simply because Jesus Christ was the good one. He was the one who paid the price at Calvary's cross. He was the one righteous enough to call all of us who yet have so far to go in our lives, yet to find forgiveness once more today, and in that forgiveness to live new lives in Jesus Christ. And so now with angels and archangels, with all the hosts of heaven and earth, we do laud and magnify thy holy name, O God, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For Jesus Christ, we affirm, has come, has died, was raised, and will come again. And to him now be all the honor and the glory, for it is in his name we pray. Amen. I would invite our communion stewards and ushers to come forward at this time, and as they are served then to serve you, wish to know that all are welcome at this table today. You do not need to be a Methodist. You do not need to be a member of this congregation. God's table is wide and big, and all who desire forgiveness, do desire new strength, are welcome at his table. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks in having received the blessing of this sacrament today. 
for having been here to share in fellowship, to share the word and the truth of that word. And so may now the truth of Jesus Christ, who speaks to us through this Holy Communion, continue to speak his truth in our lives in days to come. And that we might be always equipped to be in that truth, that we might speak a word to the world of peace, of truth, and love through Jesus Christ. Even he who has taught us that we might pray, even as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May I invite you to stand as we join together in our prayer response as found in your order of service. Shalom to you. Receive now this God's blessing and benediction. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now go forth and be blessed that we all might be faithful disciples of the truth of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. Amen. Amen.